Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets, and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better, too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. This podcast may discuss topics graphic in nature and possibly triggering to survivors. We value the safety and well-being of all of our listeners. So please practice personal discretion. Now, enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Paige. And I'm Natalie. We're the hosts of the Murder Diaries podcast. We bonded over tacos and true crime after we matched on Bumble BFF. You know, like any normal millennial using an app to meet new friends. Every Thursday, we upload a new episode. In each episode of The Murder Diaries, we tell true crime one story at a time. One week, it's my turn. And the next week, it's mine. You still think it's in my head, but I'm walking with the dead. Sarah Turney's older sister, Alyssa, went missing in 2001, and she's been searching for answers ever since. From appearances on People Magazine to her own podcast, Voices for Justice, Sarah has brought attention to Alyssa's case by whatever means possible. Most recently, Sarah took her campaign for justice to TikTok, and the story went viral. Soon after, an arrest was made and a trial was scheduled for this year. And that's where we're going to leave Alyssa's story for today. If you'd like to hear all the details, you can listen to our recent episode or check out Sarah's podcast, Voices for Justice, where she breaks down the case in over 30 episodes. Due to the upcoming trial, Sarah isn't able to speak about her sister's case publicly. However, we're honored to have her with us today to discuss the new cases she's investigating and advocacy in general. Thanks for being here today, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Is it okay to say I'm a little starstruck having the CEO of Justice TikTok on our podcast? Oh my gosh, that makes me laugh so much. I can't even contain myself. Um, <laughs> you're so sweet. Thank you so much. I'm a little starstruck too. And we're so thankful that you're giving us your time today. But we need to talk about that title, CEO of Justice on TikTok. We freaking love it. Can you tell us a little bit about like where that came from? What does it mean? How'd you come up with it? Give us the deets. Yeah, it's a trend. It's like it, it, like everything else I do on TikTok, I'm really just trying to stay hip and or with it and follow the trends. Um, so saying like you're the CEO of something is really common for people to put in their titles. Like, you know, um, CEO of facial expressions or just like whatever <laughs> kind of your niche is. So I was like, I guess I'm like the CEO of Justice TikTok. Let's do it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just kind of a joke um, and a way to tell people, you know, what my account is about essentially. I feel like you're the CEO of justice in general, though, not just of TikTok, because you're really bringing your A-game and shedding light on so many stories that need attention. So I definitely give you finger snaps. I'd I'd snap my fingers if uh, the editor (laughs) wouldn't (laughs) hate me for doing it into the mic. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. I did download TikTok to watch Sarah's videos, actually. Yes. Yes. I'm on there because of you. <laughs> You're so welcome. You're just so welcome. No, I'm kidding. Um, but no, thank you. I, I, I 
do really enjoy TikTok. I enjoy watching TikToks. It's like one of the only things that that makes me laugh these days. You know what I mean? Like, of course, like not every video on there is funny. Most of the videos I make are not funny. Um, but there's just so many talented people on there. It's insane. It's kind of like the start of YouTube. It's is what I would compare it to. Like back when everything was funnier and um I don't know. It's just different, especially since uh, Jenna Marbles left YouTube. It's like all I have left is TikTok. Well, it's almost like YouTube on steroids because they really got to grab your attention in the first second versus on YouTube when you have a lot longer time in a video. They really do. Yeah. Well, another th- cool thing that I love, I could go on, like we could just do like a TikTok podcast. It's fine. <laughs> We're um, here for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I just love how real it is. Like there's no like barrier to entry like there is with YouTube now. Um, you can, anybody on there can post a video and just go viral. Um, but on top of that, like when there's, you know, things happening in the world with politics or major events, you know, um, during all the rallies for Black Lives Matter, like you could see real footage of people there. It's not edited. It's not a journalist. It's just a ton of real people showing these events. Um, so I, I just, I just love the heck out of it. I, I love TikTok so much. I love TikTok too. And it makes me wonder sometimes like what would have happened with TikTok if quarantine and the pandemic never happened? Because for so long, millennials and Gen X were like, oh yeah, that's that thing that like, you know, all the like 16 to 20 year olds use and dance on. Like it was almost like a joke, but then quarantine hits and people are using it in the most amazing ways, including yourself, you know, to, you know, bringing awareness. And um, so it's really cool to see. And I think it's everything that Vine back in the day wanted to be. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful soothing jets and all your stress seems to melt away like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. Imagine a vacation waiting outside your door when you get home. Discover a new way to escape the stress of everyday life. Picture soothing jets massaging your back, relieving all your aches and pains. Sleep soundly without medications or supplements. Call 1-877-861-4672 to get $1,250 in instant savings, including free delivery. Call 877-861-4672 now or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. I agree. That's kind of my take. No, and I'm so glad you brought it up because <laughs> the quarantine boom and TikTok changed everything. That's when I downloaded TikTok. That's when I think it was something like a billion new people joined TikTok. And it's not just kids, like you said. It is very much filled with people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, upwards of that. Um, it's really become this all-ages platform where it's not just kids dancing anymore. You can find everything on there. Yeah, I don't even have the dancing kids on my for you page anymore because the <laughs> algorithm is just that amazing. It is. They know you. Like some of the biggest jokes on there is you'll see a video and like the best part about TikTok is the comments. Like if you aren't reading the comments, you're missing out. So you see this video and you go to the comments and everyone's like you really mean for you with this post. Like holy crap. Um yeah, and they I don't know what it what type of sorcery magic they have with that algorithm, but it is like they know you. They know you better than any social platform. I I would dare to say. Definitely better than Instagram Reels algorithm. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And a lot of the same videos are on there. So you can really feel the difference. But I think that it's been 
it's been such a like a, a magical thing popping up <laughs> over quarantine, which is just not something I think any of us would have expected by like June of quarantine. That it's just this huge boom, and then um, you know you got the forties, the fifties. I mean, I've got sixty-year-olds talking politics to me on there. It's it's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's insane. Like you you don't see a platform where you know a, a dancing child can have more followers than Gwen Stefani. Like it's just this. This great equalizer. Yeah, it's really crazy. Absolutely. I think you've done something so cool on TikTok too. You've taken this platform that gives you, what is it, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, and you're using that time to cover countless missing persons cases. And you've recently shifted to doing the same thing on your podcast for season two. Will you give our listeners an overview of Angela Green's case or anyone else that you may be covering in the season two? Oh, absolutely. My goodness. There are so many cases that I want to cover and I could talk about forever. But yeah, I started with the Angela Green case. And I think it's just because um, it really jumped out and grabbed me. And it it felt like the closest case to my old style, if you will. Um, but, you know, essentially, Angela Green goes missing Um Sorry, I feel like I'm a little rusty now. It's been weeks since I've told this story. Um, but, you know, Angela Green goes missing and um, her daughter is told, well, your your mom went to a mental institution. And she's like, you know, whoa, well, that that's crazy, you know. And, and dad says, well, you can't go visit her. Just, you know, give her some time to heal. And so a few weeks go by and, and you know, the dad goes and tells the daughter, um, I'm sorry, your mom died in this mental institution. She had a stroke. Um, you know, and of course the daughter's devastated and dad says again, like, please don't tell the family. I want to take my time and grieve and eventually we will tell everyone. But then something like eight months goes by and, you know, Ellie is Angela's daughter and she says, you know, I, I have to tell my mom's family. I can't just keep going on like this. And, um, you know, luckily for Ellie, um, the, the family members that she tells, one is a doctor and one is a lawyer. And so they're like, hey, like if your mom died, there's a death certificate that exists out there. So Ellie goes to look for it. Of course, you know, this death certificate is nowhere to be found. And eventually they get a wellness check. The police go to, you know, Angela's husband and he's like, oh no, she didn't die. She ran away with some friends. Um, so at this point, you know, Ellie starts recording every single call with him, recording every single interaction. And um, yeah, it's, it's just a really sad story. Angela is, of course, still missing. Um, so we are still looking for her. But there's, you know, crazy recent developments. I play a lot of calls between Ellie and her dad. It's just, it's a really sad story, um, but one that I think needs to be told. Definitely. I mean, I'm almost shocked at how many red flags there are coming up about the dad. I mean, we don't know for sure. I mean, nothing's been, you know, taken to court, but it is kind of amazing that he thought he could get away with telling his daughter all these lies. Yeah. I mean, you have to ask, why are you lying? Mm -hmm. Why aren't you telling the truth? What's behind that? Right. I think that's natural for anyone to just wonder. I mean, anybody about any situation, I think you just like, why are you lying? Like even to a little kid about <laughs> lying about something stupid, you're like, what's the motivation there, sir or ma'am? Um, yeah. So I think it's just, it's kind of natural for people to not trust people who who lie. And I'm sorry, you know, we do know one thing and that is that he has lied about this situation. At some points, yes. And, you know, both of us have listened to all three episodes, and it's been great kind of seeing what's to come in season two. So tell us a little bit more. This particular case, we got 
three episodes on, but now we have moved on um, to a new case. So what can we kind of expect with some of the coming cases? Yeah, of course. And thank you through like coaching me how to uh, promote my own podcast because I'm still not great at that. But um, <laughs> no, I mean, I like I didn't mean that to be sarcastic. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I do cover other cases, obviously. So I like infamously in this first episode of my new season, I'm like, you know, most cases are going to be covered in one episode. And then I hit you with a three-parter. Um, that was kind of the best thing, though, because <laughs> the minute I finished episode one, I was like, I need more. Same. You just have a way of telling stories that mm-hmm. I honestly feel like you were meant to be in this sphere of um, storytelling. Oh, thank you. I mean, so I do prefer cases where I have a ton of information, where I have real audio, where I have real video. Like that is my favorite way way to tell this story because I don't like to just, I don't know, tell the story based on, I don't know. I, I just really love like found footage, if you will. And I love incorporating that because it makes it so real. Like, don't just take it from me. This is exactly what happened. This is the exact audio of that conversation. I'm not interpreting it for you. But I don't always have that luxury. So in my second case, um, I, I covered uh, Dulce Olivez. And I have no ties to that case. I've never spoken to anybody on that case. I have no police documents. I have no interview. But I wanted to, I want to pick cases like that because I don't think it's fair to only cover cases where I have a special connection, where I have all this information. Like those kids or whatever the case might be, missing, murdered, wrongfully convicted, they deserve justice too, even if I can't get all the required materials that I would love to get to make a fantastic, amazing production. Um, So I'm really trying to balance that, you know? And of course, My third case is Alicia Navarro that I'm super close to. Like, I've met her mom. I went to her vigil. Um, I've, you know, made a TikTok with her. Um, I'm just super, super close to her. So I was able to use, you know, that audio. I was able to put in audio from the vigil. I was able to put in songs about Alicia. Um, So although, again, that is my preferred method, I just, I have to balance it out with these cases that I feel like maybe there's no one championing for them um, or maybe there's not a lot of information. So it's it's kind of this balance of doing stories that I love with all this massive amounts of information that I could create an awesome episode about and then picking these cases where I don't have that, but their stories deserve to be told as well. This is a little more logistical, this question, but um, how do you approach the cases that you don't have a personal connection with or as much documentation? Do you approach them differently? I mean... What's your mindset going into those? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I approach them differently. I mean, in terms of like logistically constructing the episode, yes, because I don't have all this additional information or audio. Um, But I'd say the research is pretty much the same. Even if I have a connection to someone, I will research that case outside of them. I will never just do an interview with someone and be like, well, that's what they said happened. Right. Um, Like for some things, yeah, you can take their word about like times and things like that. But I also think it's pretty irresponsible to just take an interview and, and turn that into everything I know about this case. I have a duty to the person that I'm speaking about, the victim, to go a step further. Um, so in either case, I, I do try to request documents, police documents for most of my cases. I, I, I'm not doing great at that. I'm going to be totally honest. I keep getting told no left and right for these police documents, and it's really frustrating. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you do have to go off of what's out there. And for me, that's a lot of, you know, newspapers.com and a lot of just regular news articles, a lot of videos. I love 
I love a good video showing me like the actual place where the person went missing or the actual crimes, not like the gory stuff. You know what I mean? Like I don't need to. Right. But something to put you in the place of where they were to put you in their shoes almost. I have Google earthed. Yeah. So much and so many times and I'll screenshot and send it to Natalie or, you know, I'll say something in an episode like, okay, so when I Google earthed, this is what I saw, like, you know, outside of the articles and documentaries with, um, you know, family member interviews and things like that. Um, yeah, I mean, putting yourself a little bit in the space, not the crime scene, but the space really just gives you like those tingles. Like when I was hearing about a victim we spoke about whose last like known CCTV footage is from a convenience store. I'm like, I'm Googling everything that convenience store. What's around it? What does it look like? Like, you know, not to investigate and assume things about the case, but yeah, just to put yourself in that space. I think it's really important to, in, in it's like one of the only ways that you can kind of connect with a victim in a way, or at least for me, it helps me feel a little bit connected to the victim. Exactly. And I agree with what you were saying, Sarah, about you can't take anyone's word for it either. If you can't just assume that whoever wrote the article did their homework, if we're not double checking, then that's on us. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, I have to say, I have seen traditional news outlets get a lot of things wrong. So I even take that with a grain of salt all the time. Dates, Mm -hmm. facts, everything. Um, So, yeah, it's hard. It is really, really hard for me because I feel like I've been spoiled and that I'm used to like, well, here's, you know, the case file. And I'm like, yes, I have everything I need. And now I have to go off of some journalist who I don't know and I don't know how good their work is. Um, But, you know, that's why I like to supplement with videos, too. You know, especially for, like, Dulce Olives, where I had nothing. I found all these great videos of people, you know, walking the scene. I'd I'd read a thousand times that, you know, her mom's car was parked 30 meters from where she was playing. But, no, I want to see the video of someone walking from the parking lot to that playground. Like, let me get in there and see this. Um, But I'm also just, like, really obsessive about research. Like, I will go on, like, the craziest deep dives to find the smallest piece of information. Um, It's just kind of how I'm I'm hardwired. Um, So, yeah, it's it's hard for me because I feel like even my my best well-researched episodes, I always feel like there's there's more. I feel like it's never really like you could you could craft an episode for years and not get everything. You know what I mean? It's yeah. So it's like my cross to bear. It's fine. No, but that makes so much sense because you see these and hear about these detectives that are on a case and they always seem to have one where they can't let go because mm-hmm. there's so many unanswered questions. And that's just how it is because if you weren't there at the the time that it happened, then there are too many variables that are, you know, at play. Yeah. And you have to discuss that. Absolutely. Like you, yeah, I don't know. I, I try to present it as fairly as possible. And, you know, even though most times like I am siding with, you know, the victim and their family, because I think a lot of times when they are doing a ton of media, that's that's pretty trustworthy. Um, but I still try to make a point to to argue kind of every side, even the Alicia Navarro case. You know, I, I really don't think, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar, Alicia went missing. Um, she was 14. She left a note for her family saying, like, I'm sorry, I'll be back. I swear I'm running away. Um, and she's, you know, she's been gone for over a year now. And her mom just does... Like, I cried so many times making this episode because I feel so bad for her mom. But even... That like even so, I I said, could this be a family member? 
knowing that Jessica, you know, uh, Alicia's mom probably isn't going to be too happy with that. But it's like, you have to be fair. You have to be fair. I don't know that it's not a family member, so I can't exclude that theory. Um, so I try to be as fair as possible, given my background and given um, just how much I care about these families. And I honestly think that our listeners need to check out your your episodes because you're not going to get that level of understanding anywhere else. Hey, thanks. Like Paige and I can try and, you know, we do our best to tell these stories, but right. it, it's just a, a different level that you get on Voices for Justice. Well, thank you. Yeah, I do. I think like some of the best feedback I get is from the people I interview. Um, Because usually like when I go into an interview, I'm like, hey, just so you know, like I am working all the case details in the back. I probably won't mention a lot about the day that things happened. I feel like that's kind of my responsibility. And a lot of the times you hear this like sigh of relief of like, oh my gosh, I don't have to tell this story for the 5,000th time. And a lot of the times I'll ask them, I will like, because they naturally do it anyway. That's kind of how these, these conversations unfold is that I typically don't even have to ask the questions without them. Like they just gush about it. And it turns into this really nice, natural conversation that, you know, is great audio for the podcast. But yeah, I just, I I love the way that I'm getting this, this feedback about interviewing people because I think, I think it's really hard as a family member to listen to a podcast and you're like, all they did was put out my interview. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and I get it. Like, you know, so thankful for the exposure. A lot of people have really successful podcasts like that. But, you know, when I entered this space, I was like, what is my job? as a podcaster. what is, I want to make this as easy as possible for them. So I don't want to ask them what the date was or the time when I can go look that up. Um, that was something that was just really important to me. And I might be like shooting myself in the foot because I know it is a really popular podcast format. And like, I'm not hating on those people. I just, I took all of my own personal experiences and just kind of said like, I want to treat these people the way I wanted to be treated. I think that's where that difference of perspective or that that different level that Natalie was talking about, I think that's where it kind of comes in from, right? It's that background, it's that experience that you've had. And I think something that hit me when we've spoken before was just that idea of not making these loved ones, these family members relive that whole yeah. I mean, thing. I, I won't do it. Like I said, it does it usually does naturally unfold that way because we just talk as human beings. And so they can, you know, they confide in me and they talk about how awful everything is. It just, it naturally comes up. So I rarely, you know, I guess I've never felt the need to kind of like probe somebody and, you know, try to evoke some type of reaction out of them, if if you will. Like if I do an interview and there's no emotion and it's just facts, like that's, that's okay with me. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't use the audio in the same way, I guess. Um, I just, like I said, I just treat others how I really wish um, I was treated so many different times. Definitely. In the counseling world, we call that honoring the resistance. Let it be. Meaning like if they don't want to talk about it or if they don't want to go there with it today, yeah, let it be. There may be a day where they actually feel like talking about it. And there may be another day where they're just like, I just can't do this. But here I booked you know, this whole thing of being on this podcast, I guess I'm going to have to do it. But then when they're working with you, I'm sure that, yeah, exactly. They're feeling that relief that you mentioned. So that's awesome. What a safe space for them, you know? I, I hope think that's so. exactly That's exactly what Voices for Justice feels like. It feels like a safe space. Oh, well, like, yeah, like I said, I really hope so. Um, you know, like, the, like, I just, I'm thinking of a point when I was interviewing, um, 
you know, Alicia Navarro's mom. And I know on the first day that her daughter went missing, she went to go look for her herself and she saw some really terrible things. You know, she's in West Phoenix slash Glendale. Like I grew up there as a teenager. Like I know what's there and it's bad. It's kids doing drugs and it's kids, you know, selling their bodies for sex. And it's just, it's really, really horrific, especially for a mom who just has, you know, just found out her daughter ran away. It's an extremely traumatic experience. So I could have said, you know, hey, Jessica, how did you feel when you went out looking for your daughter and you saw prostitutes and you saw drugs and you saw kids drinking and staying up all night? Like, how did that make you feel? But instead, I'm like, hey, can you tell me about, you know, your own investigative efforts to find your daughter? I think that's just kind of the difference in in the phrasing. And, you know, again, it's kind of like, I always equate it to like, if you have a a bad boss and you're like, man, when I'm a boss, I'm never going to be like that. Um, I think I just learned a lot of things that way. Not to like, not to say that everyone was bad and everybody was terrible. I'd never say that. 99% of people are amazing. It's just those bad experiences that stick with you and they change you. So true. So true. Especially living through an experience like that. I mean, how often do you, for example, you know, hear how somebody with a missing loved one was treated by, you know, let's just say law enforcement, whether it was just, whether it was kindly and lackadaisical or whether it was, you know, coming from like a rude place. Like how often do you hear that? Because Natalie and I have definitely heard that from, you know, a few folks that we've spoken to who have missing loved ones was just like really bad experiences and just feeling really like no one cares. Or if they do care that, they are out of control of the situation. And I couldn't even imagine something like that. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets and all your stress seems to melt away like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's exactly true. And, you know, to be honest, I talk to a lot of families who are afraid to say anything negative about law enforcement. Um, It's just terrifying. And I, I do see it from all sides. I think that there's a lot of great members of law enforcement, specifically um, detectives, who take these things to heart. I mean, how can you not when you work a case for 10, 20 years, their entire career in some instances. Um, And I do feel like, you know, in a certain sense, they have an impossible job. They... It is their job, which we have to remember. Um, I think that, you know, we we do expect them to care more because they choose this career field. But at the end of the day, it's an unrealistic expectation for most families to believe that this detective cares more about their loved one than they do. Like, as much as I, I wish it wasn't that way, it's just, it's kind of impossible. You can't, you know, unless like there's a case where the family's not there, then yeah, maybe the detective cares more. But in most cases... You know, the family is going to be the people who care more, not these detectives. And they have so much on their plates and they're doing so much, um, you know, not to make any excuses for for things like lying or false promises. I think there's a lot of things that I've encountered, you know, in these cases that are just unacceptable. But um, that in terms of like the family detective dynamic, I, I get it. It's it, It's an impossible situation kind of for both sides. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, if it's, for example your neighbor and let's say that loved one isn't missing are they ever going to love and care about 
your child, your loved one more than you do? No. So why in that space, just because they're missing, which is terrible, would would that happen? It's just not the way, I guess, the human brain works. Of course they care. But yeah, I guess it's just not the way the human brain works, which is kind of unfortunate if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of similar to like a babysitter. You know what I mean? You you trust these people to care for your kids. You you think that they have the best intentions, you know, or else you wouldn't trust them with it. Um, but at the end of the day, nobody knows it or cares about it as much as you, it being, you know, a child in this instance. Yeah. We've talked a lot about how you approach your cases and your experiences with these families who have gone through these situations. Do you have any advice for someone who wants to do what you do or perhaps advice for someone that finds themselves in a similar position as those families? Like what do they do to get the word out there? Yeah. You know, I think it's, you know, it's definitely a case by case basis. Every case is different, right? There's going to be some cases where a lot of information is kept secret and that's on purpose, you know, in order to help, you know, identify the suspect or whatever it may be down the line. So I do have to, you know, put that disclaimer out there that every case is different. Um, but if you're, if you're just trying to get the word out about this case and try to get media exposure, I think it's about being fair and being factual while still holding the correct people accountable. I think if you go on there, and you're like, F this and F you, da da da, da. You know, people are going to see you as this emotional family member that maybe isn't being logical right now. Um, and I'm not saying that's the case when people do that. I'm saying that public perception means a lot, especially on social media. I think people are more apt to share a case or, you know, care about a family member if if you can't really debate what they're talking about. You know what I mean? If, if they're like, hey, you know, like the case of Brandy Myers, the Phoenix Police Department told her sister, we know exactly what happened to your sister down to the color of the trash bags her killer, you know, put her in, but we can't help you. So I think, you know, if you approach something like that, like, you know, at Phoenix Police Department, you told me this, why has there been no progress? That's, that's kind of hard to debate right? versus, again, just, you know, going out there and, and being emotional, which I get. I get people being emotional. So, I, you know, long story short, I think it's a balance of being reasonable, being logical, um, giving, you know, law enforcement enough time to respond if you are going to call them out um, and just, you know, being someone that people can't argue with. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. if, again, if you're being reasonable and using these facts, there's not much to argue with. Um, but I, you know, in general of just getting getting the word out is social media. You know what I mean? Like do these independent podcasts, do these YouTube channels. I, in my personal opinion, I think independent creators, if you will, no matter how many followers they have, you know, somebody like Kendall Ray with, I think she's at like over 2 million followers on YouTube now is a great example. Um, I think that these independent creators just care more than these large corporations that are pumping out episode after episode or article after article. Like I, I, find um, that these independent creators just care more and they're more likely to go to bat for you and remember you after that episode. Um, so yeah, I mean, use social media, hit up these independent creators, even if, you know, you think that they don't have a ton of followers. It doesn't really matter. Um, it really does matter, like, how much they care because even if somebody with five followers um, shares your post 10 times, that's better than somebody with 10,000 followers who does an episode, doesn't share it, doesn't care anymore. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's totally about the investment of their time versus... Yeah. Versus audience size. Yeah. No, I, I, I like, 
I will take somebody with a smaller audience that actually cares over somebody with a larger one any day. Mm-hmm. And again, it does, you know, it varies case-by-case basis. Um, you know, if you do have an opportunity to do a very large show, I'm not saying turn it down. I'm just saying, like, don't overlook these smaller creators, you know. You never know who's going to blow up. You never know who's going to be your new best friend kind of fighting in your corner. Well, and something that we've heard before is that, oh, sorry, this story is getting so much coverage. It's of no use to us. It's not exciting anymore. It's not something that that we're really interested in covering because it's just been done so many times over and over again, like it, let's say somebody's got a really good media push out there for their loved one, that that's, that's some of the feedback they're getting, even from these really established podcasts and things like that. So what you're saying makes sense. Yeah. And I hate that. Like I, that is one of the things as, you know, a creator that I strive to not be is, you know, if a person needs justice, I don't really care how big the case is. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, one day I do want to cover Maura Murray. It's a huge case. And I think it's going to take like, you know, I, I'm tempted to do an entire podcast on it. But um, I, but like, I would never say, well, she's had so much attention. Like, you know, I'll just move on to a different case. She still doesn't have justice. I'm sorry. At the end of the day, that person still needs justice. I don't really care how big the case is. Mm-hmm. I care about helping. But, you know, that's that's just me. That case... The case of Maura Murray is one that has sat with me for so long. Since around the time, I think it's been getting coverage pretty much since it happened, if I'm not mistaken. And that is a case that is one of the few that just, I mean, they all kind of it's haunting. leave a scar. But that one is, yeah, that one's haunting because, as you mentioned, it's that aspect of like no justice, no body, no nothing, just gone. And it's been going on almost 20 years now. So I would love to see you do a full podcast on that. That would be amazing. I'm so down to hear you tell her story. <laughs> I mean, I, you could get so many episodes out of it, really. I know. I could do it forever. Well, and, you know, and I think it goes back to the family. And Matt, like, because, and I specifically with Maura Murray, I have seen creators come out and say, I would never do an episode on Maura Murray. It's just so overplayed. And it's like, listen, it's not a one-hit wonder from the 90s and it's overplayed. (laughs) Like, her family is on the internet reading these things too. Can you imagine Mm -hmm. being a family member being told, "Your, your family member's case is so big, you don't need my help. And it's like, what do you mean? It's not solved. There's no justice. Of course I need your help. What you're really saying is it's so big and so overplayed, I don't want to cover it. And that's fine. Just tell the truth. You know what I mean? Don't yeah. Don't say it doesn't need help when it's obviously unsolved and in need of help. Yeah. Or how about we can't help in this facet, but where can we donate? How else can we assist? We're not able to have this, for example, this story on our podcast, but what we can do is this or whatever, you know, finding a different solution for these families because obviously they haven't had help to the point that got justice for their missing loved one. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't, I don't get it. And I think that something I'm seeing a trend towards more and more, and I'm wondering if you've seen this too, is that idea of like responsibility in this country, right? Whether it's things regarding race and past actions of YouTubers that are having to issue apologies from 10, 15 years ago because it's time, Um, or just in general, you know, the new face of, you know, um, 
social media and these things. And we still have a long way to go, but are just of this much more responsible perspective of having a forefront of helping others being better and doing and doing better. And I think that that's definitely applicable to podcasting today in the true crime space, making sure you care that these loved ones are going to listen to this episode or they're going to see it. We too have had a loved one reach out and say, Hey, um, you know, um, we, they hadn't listened yet, but Hey, we see you covered this case. And they had a couple of questions. Like they wanted to check in on it and it made us think like, Oh wow. Like we learned a really big lesson. Like there was somebody out there searching the hashtags of this person's name. Right. They were really nice about it. I mean, mm-hmm. nothing bad came out of it, but it was an eye-opening experience for us as creators in this space mm-hmm. thinking, okay, well, we have this responsibility like Paige was mentioning. Yeah. And we, for that, we realized, okay, we're too young of a podcast to handle this responsibility right now. Let's take a beat from the idea of missing persons, covered ones that are solved that we can have, you know, the full story of while we move forward um, in this space. And now I think we're just finally probably getting to a spot where we would know a little bit more what to do. Looking at a missing person's website, reach out, call a number, email an email, and just make sure that number one, hey, do you want to be? On this podcast, can we discuss this with you? Do you need our platform? Like, we've segued so much from where we began a year and a half ago to now. And I think part of that is because we have changed who we have looked to in the industry, much like we've much more looked towards people like yourself, obviously, or we wouldn't have you on this podcast and and things like that. So I think that, um, you know, not only just learning from you, but others that are doing more things that are like to you. And I do, again, think that that's where the trend is going of where where we need to be when we're in this true crime space, as opposed to just telling a gory story. And honestly, it feels better. It feels better to be spending our time. We're going to be doing this anyway. Mm -hmm. We're telling a story. I want to tell a story that could help somebody. You know what I mean? It's not all about the entertainment. Obviously, that's part part of our job, telling these stories. Well, we need them to listen and hear. Right. But at the end of the day, like we're the ones that have to go to bed with ourselves. And I want to go to bed knowing that I did something positive in the world right. that day. And it's nice to be able to do that when we tell these stories. Right. I guess I'd like to clarify that what I meant by we need them to listen and hear. I meant like listen to the story and get the story out there. I know you know... But maybe the listeners would have been like, what does she That's mean? They need them to listen and get, you know, downloads, whatever. And at the end of the day, when you put that last, everything just falls into place. So I think that that's important advice that I would give to somebody trying to do, you know, a podcast of any sort, no matter how deep they could get. Because I get it, you know, I mean, sometimes, and you, you probably know more than me, you know, advocacy can become a full-time job. I mean, that is your full-time job, right? Yes, I am like a professional advocate. Um, I love that. <laughs> at this point. Um, but yeah, I think so much of it comes down to intentions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the rise of conscious consumerism, which, you know, I actually have a background in retail and specifically like eco-friendly 
baby products that are very much conscious consumerism. I've, I've worked for a, a plastic company that made biodegradable plastics. It's I have a lot of experience in conscious consumerism, and that's just the way of the world. It's what everything is shifting towards. It's what you eat. It's what you buy. It's what you put on your face. You know, was this tested on animals? It, it, everything is shifting that way. And you know, to your point, you were talking about YouTubers getting canceled and these things yeah. getting dug up. Yeah, like if if you're a podcaster and you made some snide remark about never making a podcast about Maura Murray, like somebody might dig that up someday and it might come to bite you. You know, the, I think the best case is if if it, you're going to be negative towards, you know, especially something like a a missing persons case, like maybe just don't say it at all. Yeah. Um, but but if you have good intentions, I think it all kind of unfolds from there. If you just really do want to tell this story for the victim, all of that rolls into it. I think it makes you research harder. I think it makes you work harder. It makes you care more about the editing process. It makes you care more about your audio quality because you know that part of, you know, that that responsibility is this entertainment factor, which all of that rolls into. Like if you have terrible audio, nobody's going to listen. It doesn't really matter how great your research is. If you hear a big static in the back, like you're done. You know, if your editing's really sloppy, you're going to get a thousand comments about mouth noises instead of people <laughs> talking about, about the person, you know, the victim. Um, yeah. It just kind of all rolls into it. And I think it's it's pretty clear, you know, the more, like podcasting is is still pretty new, but they're, you know, it's, it's a growing platform. And I think people can recognize just like they do on YouTube or any other platform, they can recognize the creator's that have good intentions and put in a good amount of effort and they can, you know, differentiate those from the ones who don't. You're like, oh, wow. So this person really just just put that audio out there like that. Um, I, I think it's, yeah, it's just kind of a trend of everything. And, and podcasting is not excluded from that, especially true crime podcasting. You know, people are being held accountable more and more. Absolutely. 100%. And I guess that kind of leads us into kind of talking about like, what's the future for Voices for Justice? Like we know we've got, we're rocking season two and we've got kind of part of that future is what's to come in season two, but what comes after season two as well? So I want to do all of the things, which is my problem right now. Um, but <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> my idea for Voices for Justice is for it to continue to be a weekly program that covers cases in need of justice. Um, I wanted to do it underneath that umbrella because I felt um, it would be doing you know the victims of these stories a disservice to start it under a new podcast with, with no listeners, if I'm being totally frank. Sure. Why not use this built-in platform that it, it's taken me years and years to build up? Um, it just makes more sense that way. So it, it'll go on to be a weekly podcast, you know, potentially forever until I, you know, die in front of the microphone or whatever. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I do want to do, well, I, I have plans to do um, more long series formats that will be a, a completely different podcast. Ooh. You know, uh, um, yeah, I know. I'm so excited. I can't um, wait. Where it's one <laughs> We're so excited. Oh, yes. my gosh. Because I mean, that is my preferred method. You know, like I was telling you earlier, I love the cases where I can get 5,000 pages and mm -hmm. a million videos um, that I just, I love engulfing myself in a story because like I said, I'm just kind of crazy about research. And so I, I do that with every episode, but um, in the future, I will have more one-off podcasts, kind of like season one was. Um, and then, you know, of course, after my sister's trial is all said and done, you, I will finish up that story as well because it is very much unfinished. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, all of the things. I just want to 
want to continue to help people and do that in a way that makes me feel good and hopefully is effective. Um, and I, you know, I think this this form of storytelling where I kind of mash real things together um, is just kind of where I, I excel. So that's what I'd like to do more of in the future. I'm so excited. We are so excited. Exactly. And we will be looking out and keeping in touch and our listeners, um, you know, abreast of what's to come um, for you and all the new exciting things that you were just talking about. Well, thank you. I hopefully I can stay around for a long time and, and help all the people. We'll keep you. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if anything, if anything, I'm just coming on here. I'll be your third co-host yes. for doing it. Ooh, I love it. Please do not tempt us with a good time. I know. I was going to say <laughs> we might take you up on that offer. Okay, you guys, you guys have no idea how bad I want to do true crime frenemies. Okay, but like, but anybody listening, you can't take the idea because I just said it into the universe, and now it's mine and it's trademarked. It's Voices for Justice LLC. Um, but I want to do that where I like literally like fight someone on a podcast every week. It sounds like it'd be so much fun, like just to be like, no, you're wrong. This is what happened to John Bonet or whatever. I think I would cry. Um, I would cry. I'm too sensitive for that. <laughs> I would be so down to listen be- to something like that because. As a true crime consumer, it is really interesting to hear different perspectives, different um, ideas of what people think happened. But yeah, I don't know if I could be the one fighting with someone. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think I'm like thinking of an imaginary person that would just be awful and for whatever reason agree to fight with me and just get publicly <laughs> tormented. Like it's never going to happen. It's just... I, I, never I say live never. for that. <laughs> I just live for the day where I can have a co-host. That's all. You could even do that on like TikTok. You can use the Google voice <gasps> saying something that you disagree with. And then you're like, no, no, let me tell you why you're wrong. And then like you, yeah, then you go into your thing. <laughs> the queen of TikTok now has a new series. Come on. Yeah. They're going to commit me if I start a series where I talk to myself. They're going to be like, oh, man, you guys, have you seen Sarah's newest videos? Like, it's time. We need to, we got to get some doctors in here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love it. Well, this has been such a great time. Thank you so much for being here again today. And um, we hope that, you know, you won't be a stranger and that maybe in the future we can have you back on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. Seriously, it was so much fun. It's nice to talk about advocacy and other cases. So I appreciate it. Is there anywhere you want to plug for our listeners to find you? Yes, I should do that. Um, So please listen to my podcast, Voices for Justice. You can find it on all podcast players, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everything in between. You can also follow my my antics on social media under Sarah E. Turney on like all social platforms. Awesome. Awesome. And listeners, you know where to find us at the Murder Diaries pod on Instagram, at the Murder Diaries podcast.com and at the Murder Diaries pod at gmail.com. Until then. Bye. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.